This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. I am Carl Jensen with my co-host. I am Doug Cunnington. Doug, what is happening? Not too much, man. I got a, a couple things going on today. I got to run some errands. I think I'm going to head to the liquor store, get some whiskey. Um, we like whiskey. We don't drink it too often, but uh, we got like a coupon for, uh, I don't know, there's like a whiskey sale. So probably get some single malt scotch yeah. kind of thing. So again, we don't have it too often. And then the Sam's is right there. So I'll pop over there and uh, grab some things. But we also have the Costco and the meat's a little cheaper. So I'm going to head over to Costco too. So a lot of kind of domestic things. I do all the shopping around. Nice. Okay. Have you ever had the, oh, it's a whiskey company in Salida. It is our mutual friend, Boulder Steve, who will probably get on the show at some point. It is his neighbor. He owns a company, whiskey place in Salida, which I can't remember the name. So the story kind of sucks. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Doug? <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm looking it up now. Uh, only, <laughs> I know what you're, I know what you're, t- yeah, shout out to uh, Boulder Steve, right? But I don't know the whiskey company. Um, but it's it's a Colorado company, yeah. Yeah, it is Woods High Mountain Whiskey. Okay. Are you? Um, do you like it? What's your uh, What's your impression? Yeah, I might have it a couple times a year in small doses. Uh, I'm not. I should learn how to taste it, I guess, because people will taste it and they'll be like, "Oh my god, this is trash," or "This is bad," and or "This is really great." I'm like, I don't know. It all kind of tastes the exact same to me. It tastes like fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smooth and. It, yeah, the yeah. more you have, the better it tastes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, so I I didn't get into whiskey and stuff until we were uh, going to head up to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, right? So bourbon country, and I was like, we're going to go to a bourbon bar with some of our friends, and you know, I just want to be able to like ha- have have some drinks and and like understand what I'm drinking and a good one and a bad one, or at least like know the differences between, you know, some different bourbons and, and whiskeys and such. Um, so started drinking a little bit more then and like many things, um, the, the more you drink, um, you get used to the flavors. So now I have come to appreciate, um, whiskeys and different kind of whiskeys. The thing is I haven't tried, um, Colorado, uh, whiskeys or spirits in quite some time, but I remember, in the say mid early uh aughts or so um when some of the different distilleries were popping up in colorado people were like it's so good it's so good and i would try it and i was like this does not taste good and the thing is like the the bourbons or the uh single malt scotches that i'm going to get today they're like 15 year they're 18 year and the thing is if a distillery just opens up, right? They're like two years old. It's like pretty, it's green stuff. Like it's not, it's going to taste like moonshine. It's not that good. And I, you know, since those days, I was like, I don't trust people that tell me that this uh, young whiskey tastes really great. And uh, I'm an asshole. So I, <laughs> I've like, I developed a palate where I could like taste and I'm like, that 
does not taste that good. So I haven't tried it um, in a long time because I'm just like, I know this stuff is good and I'm unsure about that. So if I'm going to spend $80 on a bottle, I'm like, I don't want to waste it on some shitty. I don't know about, I never had that whiskey. The the guy, the woods or whatever could be great. Maybe I should check it. out. Yeah. Okay, cool. They always seem to have an excuse. We were in Wyoming and they're like, uh, we went to some whiskey place, which I won't name. But they're like, yeah, we've only been open for a year or two and, and we're already producing our first bottles and it's because the climate here is different and it ages much faster or some shit. And they're probably blowing smoke up, up asses. I don't know enough to call them out either. No, no, no. And then it's the blending and, you know, it mellows out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I got to give it a shot. And if there's any, um, you know, distilleries out there that want to hook us up with some whiskey, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a fair shot. But a lot of times it's just, it's too young. It's too young. So do you, what's the best whiskey you ever had? You said you, you're not super into it, but like, have you had somewhere you're like, I can tell a difference? Yeah, not really. It all kind of tastes the same. The, uh, the dry land, the local place had some kind of thing. I don't even know if they called it whiskey, but it was some 120 proof thing. And I thought that was, uh, I don't know if the flavor was good, but it was smooth and went down easy. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Just based on that, it seemed easy drinking and maybe that means it's even worse. I, I have no clue, but it gotcha. tasted good to me. And it could have been like the, um, like the barrel strength. So for other whiskeys, we have a topic today, by the way, folks, but for other, uh, like whiskeys that it comes out of the barrel, it's a higher proof, like 120 proof or whatever. And then they'll like dilute it down to with like water, I think, or other, um, you know, I, I think it's just water. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but to get it to the right, you know, 80 proof or whatever it is that they need it to be, um, to sell and, and all that stuff. So you know, other, other distilleries will have like the 120 proof barrel version. And it's like, you know, there's a little more of an edge because there's like more alcohol in there. There's like 40% more alcohol or yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, good stuff. I'm going to get some whiskey today. What's going on with you? Uh, do you got any plans coming uh, up? We're, we actually have relatives in town. So we are going to have, we had a frozen turkey in the freezer. I'm not even sure why, but we're going to have like a typical Thanksgiving dinner, like cranberry stuffing and all that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy. So super looking forward to that. That's cool. I remember talking to Mindy like last fall and I was like, we should do a Thanksgiving like later in the spring. So she's actually doing it. Yeah, we're awesome. doing it today, I guess. Happy so, Thanksgiving. Oh, shit. And I, I don't think you can buy turkeys except around Thanksgiving, right? Like you can't walk into a store now and buy one, can you? I think so. You yeah, can? yeah. You okay. just have to, there's not as many. They don't have them like in the big cases, but you can um, you can get turkeys. Okay. Well, we should still do that when we get back from Hawaii, when there's a cooler day, when we don't have to heat up the house with an oven, we'll, we'll go yeah. for it. I can smoke it. I smoke the turkey in my smoker here. Yeah. I've been uh, firing up the old uh, Weber um, Smoky Mountain. Yeah. So one quick final question. I was also going to go to the liquor store and find a good beer to pair with the turkey. What would your recommendation be? Oh, man. Uh, good good question. Let me think for a second. I, I really like uh, Belgian beers and Saisons. I would potentially go with um, like a Saison DuPont. Something okay. like that. Oh, yeah. I know that one. Yeah. That's a really nice one. And our friend Jake actually brought back um, beer from 
was it Trillium in Boston? He brought back a a Cezanne from from there. I mean, you can't get it here, I don't think, but it reminded me a lot of Cezanne Dupont. Okay, and that would be good. Um, it's not it's not too aggressive, but it has some good flavor. It should go okay with like a poultry. You know, yeah. I don't know how you're going to season it, but you know, there's uh, some potentially some herbs and spices that traditionally you would put on a turkey that could play well with a spice of the uh, saison. Okay, cool. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you had an idea um, today. You were thinking of me while you were working out, which is cool. I was. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, sure, let's do it. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I sprung this up on Doug like an hour ago. So this is, uh, yeah, I know our, our, our recordings are usually really, really thoughtful and professional sounding and, and, and put together. But if this one isn't quite so much, that's why you can blame me for it. Uh, so I, I guess I'll tell a little bit of a story. I was reading the YouTube comments, which is probably something most people should never do. And I think I talked about this commenter a couple episodes ago. Uh, she is not nice. She she is a troll, but good for her because I think most trolls are men. So good for her for breaking the trender, the gender barrier. I think her name was like, raccoon mom 69 or something like that so maybe she isn't a female maybe it's a male posing as a female that's probably actually what it is but anyway she was like doug i feel so bad for you that you have to record with carl like him and mindy suck like her podcast sucks and carl sucks like oh man that's pretty rough i don't mind getting criticism but when they just say things like that it kind of hurt me a little bit but then i started thinking like why is this person hurting me they could be typing this out from they're, it's probably some 16-year-old dude from their mom's basement or some shit like that. Why would you let a random person borrow you? And then I started thinking, I'm like, well, Doug wouldn't react like this. And I was thinking about the conversation we had, uh, I think, a week or two ago, how when you say people insult you, you thank them for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you turn around yeah. and, and make it a compliment. Do you want to explain that real quick? Yeah, and I think it it kind of started as... Maybe a bit of a joke. I think like my wife Elizabeth would say, she wasn't saying anything mean, but she would say something like, ah, is that, you know, is that the shirt you're going to wear? Something, not exactly that, but like, is that the shirt you're going to wear? And I'm like, oh yeah, like, thanks for noticing. Appreciate it. And then just like treat it as a positive thing. So I started to apply it to a lot more things. So if I, if a comment is unclear, I will still treat it as compliment. Right. So I'm like, I'll, I'll take anything, even an insult. And I'm like, ah, thanks. Thanks for noticing. Like you took time out of your day to say something to me, even if it was negative. So that said, if you want to leave any reviews out there on iTunes or if you want to comment, even if it's negative, you know, that's cool. You took some time out of your day to tell us what you thought. Nice. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then at some point I was like, yeah, I'm going to treat everything like, it's a compliment, even if it's clearly an insult. Okay. So the real long-term, the introduction to this show is I'm going to try to get a little bit into Doug's head. And stoicism comes to mind. I don't know if you would consider yourself a stoic, but we'll talk about that. Another thing you've said, which I frequently think about, is you say, I'm not sensitive. This doesn't bother me or whatever. Uh, have you always and that way, and if so, would you consider yourself a Stoic? Have you studied Stoicism? As I guess we've got the Daily Stoic right here on the table. So, yeah, and then I have like the Daily Stoic Journal. So I, I, um, 
I think for a pretty long time, at least, you know, for a lot of my adult life, I have been, um, like not sensitive. So probably, you know, a portion of it is like being emotionally unavailable. and It's actually an issue. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's the reality of it. But at the same time, it's just like, we ha- we have a choice, right? You could take everything personally, and we probably know people that they take like the news personally. They take like comments they hear like on the radio, or just they take everything personally, even if it is clearly not directed at them. They are making it an issue for no reason. So we have a choice to like make things personal or not. And generally, especially like with you, Carl, or like other friends of mine, like generally you're telling me something to help me. You're not intentionally like trying to hurt my feelings or something. So I shouldn't be sensitive about it. I want to know more information, especially if it's like coming externally, because then maybe that could help me out in the future, right? I have to filter it. You know, sometimes you have bad ideas, Carl. So I have to filter these things. But overall, like I have a choice, like I could take it personally and make it uh, like a I could be defensive, which I am defensive sometimes, especially like if you ask Elizabeth, yeah, I will take things personally often with her, but on, on a grander scale, and, and everyone's like personal relationships are different, right? But on a grander scale, I will try to make sure like I take the information, I try to like be uh, detached from my emotional mind or whatever, so I can look at it and try to logically do something with it or not. Your other question, do I consider myself a stoic? I think at one point I was like really trying to be more stoic, but at some point, like many things that I do, I I overconsume. So I really like Ryan Holiday too and I have the Daily Stoic and I have the Daily Stoic Journal, which I bought when it came out. And I actually gave it to my uh, brother-in-law too. So I like bought a couple copies for myself and then I gave him some uh, same deal for Christmas. I don't know if he did anything with it. Shout out to Matt. Um, but at some point I like listened to too many podcasts and I was inundated with all this stoic bullshit. And I was like, I've had enough. I think I generally have the point, which it, this all this is not very stoic, right? What I'm saying right now. But I'm like, I've had enough and I don't want to hear like all this stuff. I don't need like a a daily email fucking reminding me. Like I get enough emails. Like I don't need more reminders on this stuff. I was trying to, you know, work through the the journal with the written, you know, handwritten stuff. So I would say I don't really consider myself stoic uh, currently. But when you asked me today, I was like, oh, yeah. And you read a couple definitions. I'm like, yeah, I, I think probably. Okay. So I want to unpack something you said a moment ago, because I've actually seen this in action. You said you interpret all criticism the same, no matter if it's eloquently put and they're trying to be nice about it, or if they're trying to be a total asshole, you interpret it kind of the same, right? That's kind of what you said. Yep. That's, that is the goal. Um, I, I try to do my best. So keep that in mind. I mean, this is not an ideal situation by any, but yeah, I, that's what I try to do. Okay. So I remember, we both remember after we interviewed Pete, there was one email that showed up in our inbox and most people are positive, but this person was not. And he was not nice about it. He's like, 
Yeah, I heard your your Pete inter- interview, and well, I didn't expect Tim Ferriss. I didn't expect you to be as horrible as you were. Like this was totally like the guy was going off. He was. It was mean. Yeah, was he mean. he was mean. He was not happy, and, and I wasn't going to respond. I think I forwarded it to you because I check it a little bit more than you, and I wasn't going to do anything. And then you said, "Do you mind if I respond?" I'm like, "No, go for it." And you said something like, "How could we have been better, or what should we have asked him?" And then after that, he became like a normal person, like this transformation. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I was a little bit harsh. Here's what I really would wanted to hear, and here's what I would have asked if I could be doing it." So uh, I'm not sure why he felt the need to open with being so harsh, but it was pretty interesting to see you react just without emotion and it be nice about it and try to see if there's anything valuable to get out of it. And then you opened up and was a normal, better adjusted person. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And it was so I had I had two two main thoughts when I got the email. And I was like, oh. I, I like we prepared a lot for that one. We talked about it for a while. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, did we, did we do a bad job? Like, I remember we had a good time. Pete had a good time. And usually those two things, like that will make an interview good, even if the topic areas are not interesting to the person. Um, so I thought, ah, did we screw this up? And then the other thing is like, I want to find out. So I asked the specific, I kept it short. I think, um, recently we talked about, you know, emails that, that I send sometimes, right? So I kept it short and I was like, I can quickly understand if he replies back, I'll, I'll quickly understand if this guy has a point or if he's full of shit. He's probably having a bad day or whatever, right? And the simple question was like, what would you have done? What could we have done better, right? Or two, two parts, right? And he just had a different opinion. He wanted us to ask the normal questions. Like uh, actually uh, Mindy and Scott interviewed Pete like around the same time. And they asked like sort of the typical five type questions, but we weren't interested in that. We didn't, we didn't care. We didn't want to ask those same questions. Um, that said, Mindy and Scott's interview was pretty good. I listened to it and it was like, oh, it's cool to get a little update on what's going on in that topic area, but it's not what we wanted to talk to Pete about. So when, when you saw the email, yeah, I think you were like, ah, I'm just not going to respond after hearing me answer, like any thoughts on like, if we get other emails like that, like what, how would you start doing that? I thought you handled it real well. And actually when I got the nasty YouTube comment, I, I did respond. I'm like, well, how, how could I be better? And, and they never responded. And that kind of puts the pressure back on them. And Maybe that's what it did to that person, made him rethink his initial volley. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I've I've gotten some <laughs> that were even worse where they're literally like, fuck you, I hate you and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you signed up for the email list. Like you asked to get the email so you could like just unsubscribe. Like, why, why are you wasting my time and yours? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, But I, that people that do that they're probably having a bad day and i i actually i need to thank uh ramit because he um in some of the emails that he sent out or maybe social media or something but he um says that he'll reply back something like hey what's going on and just like see how they reply back and usually people will completely fold they're like i'm really sorry they think it's going to a black hole and no one reads the email yeah um and they're 
for they have issues, right? If someone's going to say, you know, all those bad things for no reason, there's something going on. Yep. And, you know, ignoring it is totally fine. But because I saw Ramit doing this stuff, I was like, ah, I'll engage a little bit. It's somewhat amusing to me. It could actually help the person out if they're like, oh, someone is on the other side. They're listening to whatever. And I'm like, hey, do you have any issues going on or whatever? Kind of like that. Yeah. I, I heard a great quote. It went, hurt people, hurt people, which might not make a lot of sense. But another way to put that is hurt people often hurt other people. They take their pain out and try to uh, release it on others. And I, I, I do the same thing, actually, whenever I get a nasty email. I'm like, hey, it sounds like you might be going through a tough time. Is there anything I can help you out with? And I, I never get a response after that. But yeah, at least I've done my part. I think the worst insult I got is someone called me. Uh, they said like you like the letter U, the letter R, like cockmaster or something like that. And I don't even know what that means. I mean, that, that could be a compliment, but I, I don't think it was intended as a compliment. Well, and that that's how you get a you get to flip your brain, Carl. You say thank you. I've been working so hard at being a cockmaster my whole life. I am the cock. I am the cockmaster. Yeah, make a T-shirt, man. You're like, hey, I, I thought actually you could, you're a bit of an artist. I've seen some of the t-shirts you made. You should sketch something up and like, yes. Or I'm thinking like a cornholio type character. Uh, we're both Beavis and Butthead fans. I think this is what would happen if Beavis and Butthead grew up and started a podcast. That's us. I, I think so. Theirs might be a little bit more intelligent than ours, but yeah, probably pretty similar. Oh my God! Okay, if we ever get our T-shirt store set up, we'll we'll have that on there. All right, so zero cockmaster. Yeah, you are cockmaster. Okay, nice. Uh, uh, one other thing, back to a serious note. I was listening to Jocko recently, and he was talking about this, and he made the point: is if someone insults you and it hurts you, you have to consider that it might be true. Why else would you internalize it and think about it like that? So maybe, well, again, maybe they didn't deliver it the right way, maybe that's an opportunity for you to work on something and they've pointed out something to you that you might not have realized. Yes. And that's something, you know, YouTube comments can be pretty treacherous. There's a lot of garbage in there. I don't pay too much attention, but I do look and occasionally, just like Jocko said and the point you're making, Carl, when there's like the nugget of truth in there, those are the ones you're like most resistant to. So. As I mentioned earlier, and we emphasize, like I try to detach and I try to look at look at the core of what it is. So even if some criticism, some negative criticism comes in, I try to shift it into something constructive, especially if I resist and react negatively. I'm like, okay, is there something I could fix? And there have been times where I'm like, oh, like you're, I wanted to like be defensive and tell the person why they were wrong. But then I, you know, wait a little bit, maybe come back in a day and I'm like, you're right. I can fix this in future episodes or whatever, future videos or something like that. And th yeah, those are the hardest ones because we want to like say the person's wrong, but it's like, they're right. They're, they're a hundred percent right. And yeah. I have to do something with it. So yeah, that, that's pretty tough. But how do you react when when someone is right on the money and you're being defensive. I, I'm getting better at it, but I used to be more defensive. And actually, I wish very few people will give you 
even in the most polite way, most people will not give you criticism. They'll be like the Midwestern ice. Oh, yeah, you're doing great when maybe you didn't. I'd, I'd much rather have someone say, hopefully in an eloquent way, that, hey, I think you should be working on this or I saw you do this and I think there might be some some issues there. What can I help you with? So I've gotten better. I used to be more um, more defensive, I guess. But yeah, if you're super defensive, I think you have some issues with yourself too. You're probably insecure and you've got some shit to work on. So just no matter, regardless of what they said, if you jump to a point of defense, you have some work to do on yourself right there. Mm-hmm. One One thing that, well, I did a little research to try to prepare, at least like print it out an outline here. But do you consider yourself um, like a, a stressed person or anxiety or anxious or do you have anxiety or anything like that? Uh, I used to, not so much anymore. Okay. And was that because uh, like your work has changed or just you've gotten away from it? Uh, there's been different levels of it, but the most recent one is actually fairly recent. I don't like when my life, I don't know, there might be a term for this, like box card, when you have one event right after the other and you're rushing from thing to thing. I, I hate that. So if I have to pick up my kid at three, I used to leave like a 250. I'd be late, have to wait in this big long line. Uh, a much better way to do it, I found, is to leave at 220 and bring a book with or just I park the car and go for a walk. I actually get to stop by school security all the time because they think I'm some creeper like walking around the school. <laughs> I know the security people now and they, they let me do it, but life used to be so packed with shit that that would give me anxiety and stress. And I just, it might not even be primary anxiety. It's not anxiety over the task itself. It's just a secondary mental effect of being so busy that you don't have any time for yourself and that just stresses me out on some deep level. But now that that's gone, I feel a lot better and I feel like the weight has been lifted. But pretty recently, like the past couple of weeks actually. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that I noticed with you and I, I I hate that. It's just like being too busy. I don't know the exact word, but you're, you're just like, you have too much shit in your schedule and it's like, you're always going to be late because um, not you specifically, but like a person will be late if you like make your schedule based on like the best case scenario of like travel time or whatever. Cause whatever you think it is, it's not going to be the, like the best case scenario. You're going to get stopped at a light. There's going to be some slower people in front of you. Um, funny thing I was driving, uh, just in our neighborhood here and I was going kind of slow. I'm not, I'm usually not in a hurry. I was going kind of slow. It's like six in the morning. I was going to go grab a coffee, right? So I'm driving around and someone was like speeding up to the roundabout. So I like kind of was slow because I didn't know if they were going to blow through. Anyway, so I'm in there. They end up behind me and I'm like driving slow through a pretty big parking lot at a strip mall kind of area. And eventually I park. I go into Lowe's like I do later in the day with uh, Georgie, the dog. And one of the employees was like, oh, did I see you in the red truck today? Yeah, that's me. Did you see Georgie too? She was like, yeah, you almost made me late for work. And I'm like, if you're running that close, like, it's not my fault you're almost late for work. Like, fucking leave earlier. I was driving like whatever, five miles an hour in the parking lot like you're supposed to, you know. But um, <laughs> I do feel slightly bad. I need to get those uh, student driver magnets uh, like you have, Carl put it all over my truck so people are a little more patient with me they're like oh this guy's doing his best 
fucking 40 year old, you know, student driver, you know, we'll cut him some slack. But anyway, the point is, um, that person should just leave work a little bit or leave, uh, to get to work a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, so two points. One thing I really enjoy doing now is driving slow. If there's, I don't do it when there's someone behind me, but often I'll drive like five or 10 under the speed limit, like on the highway at 75, I'll just go like 70 or 65. It feels pretty good. I don't know why, if it's a causation or correlation thing that I now have the luxury of time, but I really enjoy that. But to back up a second, I feel like I hijacked your question. You asked me if I had anxiety. Were you going to make some other point there or? Yeah. Well, and I was just think, thinking like, does um, the ideas of stoicism, do the ideas of stoicism like help relieve stress or anxiety? Because, you know, some people maybe have anxiety about things which they cannot control, right? right. And I've let go a lot of, of a lot of that stuff and I just don't think about it. You know, it's just, I'm like, I can't control it. I'll just handle what I have some influence over and uh, not worry about the other stuff. Um, you know, s- super simple example. I have a friend who, um, he checks the weather like all the time for stuff that's way out in the future, like a week or two, right? It's just not accurate. And uh, shout out to our friend. Kristen, the meteorologist, you know, they do a great job out there, but it's just, it's a little inaccurate. And like the person stresses over like future plans. It's like, you're going to do the thing that you're planning on anyway. It's going to rain or not. You literally can't control it. Yes. Look at the weather like a day or two before so that you know, like, Hey, we shouldn't go hiking today. It's going to storm. Or do you need to bring an umbrella or bring the right gear or whatever? But like at some point, it's just too much and you obviously you can't control the weather you're just going to deal with whatever is going to yeah that's totally true I, I you think of all the angst in the country now and over presidents and stuff like that and we don't talk about politics so we're definitely not going to talk about that but it, it cracks me up how much that bothers people because no matter who's president it probably doesn't have that much effect on your daily daily life i know pete has said this too if you if you really care like look at local policy and vote for local politicians because that's going to have a direct effect on your day-to-day life or a national one, despite what they do and how much you might hate whatever they're doing. It's really not going to affect you that much. Yep. Agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, one other thing I think about is that 4,000 Weeks book, he talks about how insignificant we are. And I think this is uh, this may or may not be a stoic principle, So, so tell me if it is or not. But once you acknowledge that, like nothing we're doing is really going to matter. I mean, nothing we do today is going to matter anytime soon. And th- the best, greatest thing we do in life is going to be forgotten probably soon after our death or maybe even during our life. So if you acknowledge that you're insignificant, then who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Find your happiness today. And uh, if you're nothing, then there's nothing that people can throw at you that should be able to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, I, another great book. Um, I don't know specifically, like I said, I currently I'm kind of out of the stoic uh, mindset specifically, but um, it does make some sense. And I do think about like our insignificance generally. And like you mentioned, even the best thing that we do is probably going to be forgotten. Even people we know may even might not even know that we did the thing that was so great, right? And then in whatever few years after we die, like hardly anyone's going to remember us. 
So, um, yeah, fairly nihilistic, I think. Uh, I referenced that in some previous episode, I think. And it's just, it's it's somewhat dark, I think, if you look at it in a, a certain light. But also, it's freeing. Yes. Um, and it's like, ah, you know, like, do the best each day that you can. And then, uh, you know, move forward. Try to get a little better. Don't make the same dumb mistakes or whatever. But... Yeah, 4,000 weeks. Yeah. And to build on that, if you look at happiness research, it, it doesn't come from external circumstances. So if you're looking for external validation or on the flip side, if you let things upset you, that's bad and that's not where your internal, that's not where real happiness comes from. It, um, yeah. The inner versus outer scorecard. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious for you, uh, Carl. How much do you look for like the external validation and I'll buy you some time here. So one thing that I've realized in the last, I don't know, even just a couple weeks or so. So I have this other YouTube channel. It's just under my name, Doug Cunnington. And I haven't been looking at analytics as much. And I'm like, oh, it's a little more fun. And the thing is, when you look at analytics or you know, maybe your blog traffic or your social media, like oh, we don't fuck around with social media either. It's just not my thing. I don't care. Um, the more time I spend in it, I'm like, I, I see it's more of a waste of time and you're looking for the external validation from some tech company that's trying to like get you hooked on using their app, which is a complete waste of time. So like when I start peeling it back, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the analytics. Like, especially if we're trying to create something, we're talking about writing a book, right? We need to like shut out all this noise and like focus on this thing that we're looking at. Yes, we'll need to get other opinions, but like the from, you know, analytics, it's just not interesting to me anymore. And I think the more I pull away from it, like the more fulfilling, like the work that I'm doing or the creative, uh, the creative products that I'm uh, generating and delivering, they're going to be better because I'm not looking at analytics and catering to um, like really pandering to like the YouTube algorithm or whatever. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's probably the most important life advice you can give. I, I talk about the Tim Urban blog post all the time, why you should stop caring what other people think. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, if you think about the people who really do great things in life, like Pete, he's a pretty big deal. Uh, he doesn't give a shit what the hell anyone else thinks. He He does what he thinks and says what he thinks, and that's pretty much it. And I think that's how probably most of the great minds throughout history have worked. Uh, they're not going to seek that validation. They're going to have a strong voice and uh, whether it's a good voice or bad voice, they're going to uh, change some shit. And once you start looking for opinions on other people, you're just going to water from other people. You're just going to water yourself down and be some shittier, lesser version of yourself. And the, and the caveat, right, is let's say Let's say we have some idea, Carl, right? We could go to like our trusted friends, go to Pete, a couple other people that we know at HQ, get their opinion. And we maybe we have like five opinions, right? Versus from people we know personally in our network that we trust versus going to Twitter, typing something out. Hey, what do you guys think of this? And then you get like a thousand people giving you just random opinions and they 
You don't even know who they are. They're just random people on Twitter. We're not really made to take that kind of input for stuff like that, right? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, my quick thought is half the people on Twitter could be bots too, you know, communicating <laughs> with a person. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a big difference there. Uh, one is your motivation for doing it. Are you broadcasting on Twitter to look to get some attention or reaffirm your bias? Or are you looking for true value to your idea, which is when you have to talk to someone like Pete or you, someone who will give you honest feedback and tell you when you're wrong? I, I don't know if I answered your question mm -hmm. or even if I understood it. No, there was no no real question. It's like, what are your thoughts on that? So, I, I don't know. But, I mean, the thing is, like, you can get good information and there's probably going to be a point where we um, – because you have a pretty big Twitter following, right? Uh, I think there's like 21,000 people. I don't know if that's big or not. I think, yeah, I think so. I think I have like 3,000. I don't do anything over there. Um, but the, the point is there's, we'll probably post some stuff to get um, input for the book because you do have quite a following. But, you know, as a stoic, I would say, you know, detach, don't be so prideful <laughs> about, about your big following over there. Cockmaster 69 or whatever. Was that this episode we were talking about that? Or <laughs> yeah. otherwise, that that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> no, Doug, that was actually three episodes ago. I, I didn't think you were gonna say your nickname for me in public, but it's fine, it's out there now. Yeah. I think it that should be maybe it's some kind of superhero, cockmaster. And then there's a sidekick, and it's like something scrotum. I don't know. I think we scrotum something. <laughs> And that they could have villains based on other genitalia. Yeah. The the ass monster. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll have to we'll have to workshop this a little bit. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe but. book two could be a graphic comic based on the uh <laughs> the genital superheroes. There'll be a whole it's like the the Marvel world. There'll be a whole different thing. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the superhero movies, are you? Uh, I like some of the more unusual ones. I don't like them in general. I thought they did a good job with like the, uh, what were the last two? Like the Infinity War. I, I don't even know what they're called. So I guess I'm not a big fan either. But there were like two final ones with, with which wrapped it up where they killed the uh, the dude. And I thought those were good. Spoiler alert. Jesus. It, yeah. Uh. Yeah, sorry. How about, what's a good superhero movie? I don't know. I kind of like the. Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Have you have you seen those at all? Yeah, this discussion. Uh, I, I I've seen a couple of them, but yeah, I don't. Know. Those are the more recent ones. Yeah, I think I saw a couple. Okay, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> they're all just so um, over the top, and I'm just like, it's, it's the end of the world again. Are we doing this? Uh, I thought that was the last movie. I just get a little confused, and and it's pretty much all the same shit, just regurgitated over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Taco Bell menu. It's just like, this is just the tortilla folded in a different way with the same stuff inside, yeah. right? Or nacho fries are back. Shit, they were gone <laughs> like for only a week. Why are they back already? So, so Carl, you, you had this idea for quizzing me on like my perhaps stoic tendencies. Are you looking to do more uh, like stoic studying are there certain things where you're like i want to do that because i 
obviously I took it as a compliment <laughs> and I was like, Carl wants to be like me. That's what I thought. I, I do. I like to, um, I like to observe people. I like to try to find what I think are the best qualities or maybe deficiencies that I have relative to them and figure out what they're doing and try to become a better person. So that's the whole reason I asked you, but I think I will do a little bit more study. I've read a lot about them, but you've got this daily stoic book and I was signed up for that email too, but I think similar to you, I stopped because I got sick of seeing it every day. And a lot of it's kind of, they're saying the same stuff over and over again, looking for maybe the same message to be delivered a different way. So it resonates with someone else, but yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other advice on stuff to read or if I want to learn more or? No, I mean, you could borrow that book to flip through it. Um, It's like 366 meditations on wisdom, something, perseverance, and the art of living. And I think, you know, honestly, you read 30 days of it, you kind of get the point. I mean, at some some level, it is just very repetitive and you get the punchline and it's like applying it to little pieces of your day. But- I don't know. I mean, it kind of reinvigorated me to like pick up the the journal again because I it's been a few years since I've like gone through it, and I think I made it through you know a few months here, um, actually maybe about a third of it. So I could I could pick it up, and you know it's kind of it's kind of nice. There's like a morning reflection, evening evening reflection. There's usually just a page or so, um, but I think it can be pretty helpful. Um, as far as tips, I really, I don't know other than, I mean, if you're thinking about it a little bit more each day, then I think you'll probably find areas where you're like, you know what? I can let that, let that thing that annoyed me slide. It's not that big of a deal. Do you think the remit advice, which I do, I actually do it in traffic too. Like, uh, the other day someone cut me off and it was one of those situations where there's like 500 cars because the right lane is going away. And then one person goes in the right lane to bypass all those. And I, I happen to be the one, like, he almost hit me because he was trying to get over. But what I tell myself in those situations is, uh, oh, maybe he's got to get somewhere really fast. Maybe his wife is in the hospital or some stuff like that. Do you think it's a crutch to think like that? Or do you think that's actually healthy? To make excuses for other people for their shitty behavior? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if it keeps you from getting upset, it's a good thing. I should think about that because usually... I mean, I, you've mentioned that a couple of times and I try to think that, but I always end up thinking that guy's a fucking asshole. That's usually what I think. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, whatever. But I think it's a good, if it's a crutch, I think it's a good crutch because it's just like, hey, you know what? It's more important to that person than it is to me. That said, like, it's, it's just, it's annoying when, <laughs> when that kind of stuff happens or like, this is what I hate. You're at, you're at the light, you're the second person in line, right? It's red and um, it's a very short light. We have several lights in our uh, vicinity, super short. Only like two, three cars can make yeah, it through, through, right? They drive nuts. And the person doesn't go because they're looking at their phone, you know? That's so, it's like, pay attention, man. This is not safe. And then you're screwing all these other folks behind you. Yeah. So I, I have an issue with uh, people that are not self-aware and they don't, they don't realize that they're screwing uh, screwing things up for people behind them. I do realize the irony of me driving slow and then screwing up 
making the person almost late for work, but I'm driving this, I'm driving the speed limit. I'm driving safe, safe, you know? Yeah. People on phones drive me nuts. I was actually on Ken Pratt in front of Lowe's and there was some guy going 20 miles an hour in front of me. I'm like, dude, what is going on here? I drive slow, but not this slow. I think the speed limit is like 45 or 55. Yeah. Yeah, He is literally going 20 and I, so I finally got around this person. That's hard too, because everyone in back is trying to get around. So I finally get up to him and he's like watching a movie on like an iPad or something, <laughs> driving on the road. Like, the fuck? Where are the cops when you need them? This is what they should be going after. That's crazy. There was a wreck uh, there yesterday, right right in front. A car flipped over like really? in the morning. Yeah. It's nuts. I could. Yeah. yeah. It's better to drive less. I've, yeah. I've got one more thought on this and then I'll, I'll shut up. Uh, I was reading about stress and it talked about the long-term physical effects of just being stressed out a lot. Like you might have hypertension and all these, and, and maybe even other more severe disease states just as a result of having stress. So what I came to is it's really dumb for someone to, especially an anonymous person on the internet, why am I letting this person stress me out and perhaps leading to a, a lower lifespan just because of some stupid comment. Why am I, I should not let this stress me out in the first place. I should just ignore it for no other reason than I'm going to be healthier by not being stressed out. And I'm, so I'm choosing not to be stressed, but I think I needed that excuse to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes total sense. And my, my stress level from, you know, when I used to commute to work and I was trying to climb the corporate ladder and all that stuff. I mean, my stress level is very low now. And, you know, you, you mentioned to me, and I mean, this whole episode is based on, I think, me being like kind of chilled out most of the time, right? Yeah. Or like someone is coming at us aggressively via email. And I'm like, hey, bud, what'd you really think? You know, is there any, can, what can we do for you to do a better job next time? And, or taking an insult as a compliment, right? So generally chilled out. And someone uh, recently also mentioned like, hey, Doug, like I see you're pretty like not in a rush. You're, in, you're calm most of the time. So maybe I've really internalized a lot of this stuff and like my stress level is so low and I'm getting like plenty of rest now. It took a lot of work. I mean, this is like a, at least a decade of me like working on for myself and like, you know, there's stress from that too. Like just making the business work and then like tapering down things that are stressful, like maybe reading comments or replying to every email, like cutting things out that I'm like, this is not working for me at all. I'll just try something else. Um, I don't have a, you know, good final thought, but if you could lower your stress, it's much better. You sleep better. It's awesome. Yeah, well, this is yet another idea for our How to Be Lazy book because I think lazy people are definitely less stressed than like type A super productive people. So, lazy laziness will lead to longer life. It will. Yeah. And I mean, like, you can still get a lot done. I mean, one of, one of the things um, that I do get comments on on the other YouTube channel and my other business, it's just like, Dude, how do you put out so much content? This is ridiculous because we were doing two shows per week. I was doing two shows on the other, plus a live stream, plus sending out emails and all this other stuff. It was like 10 to 15 hours a week of work. Like I was not, I am not busy. I am not that busy. And shout out to, uh, not that Derek Sivers listens to this show, 
but he did a few interviews in the last um, few weeks here and it rekindled my interest in Derek Sivers. And I remember listening to some interviews in maybe like 2014, 2015 with him. And he was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that busy. People will, will email him, say, Hey, can we meet up? You must be really busy. I know you have a busy schedule. It's like, no, I have plenty of time. Yeah, let's go. Let's go meet up. Let's go for a hike or whatever. So I, um, I encourage people to not be busy. It's good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think that was a good final thought. Uh, should we mention the buy me a coffee or buy me a coffee site? Yeah, yeah. So we have, we don't run ads. Um, although Carl and I are testing a uh, DIY vasectomy kit. Um, we're kind of putting it together on our own, trying to source the materials. Not sure if it's going to make it out as a product, but we'll keep you posted. If that doesn't work out, you can't help support the show with a buy me a coffee. So we're not doing ads, but we we do need some money to produce the show. So Carl, you post some things in there. It's kind of extra content. Do you remember the last thing you, you sent out to the crew? Yeah, I think I talked about how Phi means something different to me now, how when I started, it was all about money. And I discovered this Mr. Money Mustache guy who told me I can be financially independent, how to do it, and how to escape from the job that I disliked. And now it's morphed into something else. Now that I'm there, the thing I really get out of Phi is all the great friends in the community we have, the fun people that we get to go for hikes with and bounce ideas off of. So I'm really appreciative of it. Some things come into your life for a short period of time and then leave because they're no longer necessary or you've moved on. But I appreciate the evolution I've gone I've gone through with the fire movement. And I think it's probably always going to be part of my life. I feel like kind of a loser. Like most of my friends are from the, the fire space. I still have some other friends that aren't um, assimilated yet that I knew before I discovered all this shit. But yeah, I've got some other ideas for more stuff to send out as well. Cool. Yeah. So you could support us with like a a one-time donation if you want, or you could sign up for like a, a monthly membership. And those, those are the best because we can kind of rely on it and you get extra content. The thing is we're, we're going to keep producing the show. And if you don't donate, that's fine. You're still going to get the show. But if you could support us, that's great. Um, one thing we did with the money, so we went to Economy. Carl got these awesome t-shirts, right? Neither one of us are wearing them, uh, fun, funny enough. Um, but basically we just like gave away like, what, like 30 t-shirts or whatever. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So like you get cool stuff like that. We're, we're using it to give back plus, you know, produce the show. So check it out. We'll put a link in the description and we appreciate all the, the people that do support the show. So Carl, it's been uh pretty fun and I think we can go deeper. I bet there's some aspects where it's like, stoicism plus phi there must be some cool overlap where we can like go a little deeper i don't know I'll, I'll look into it but i enjoyed talking about it yeah we should get michael robinson on the show what is his blog a common dream i think it might be dot org uh, but yeah more conversations in the future yeah right on okay man we'll see you soon cool bye thanks for listening to the show that was the mile high five podcast and i'm doug cunnington the balder host and carl jensen is the cool sexy one if you dig the show please do three things for us number one tell a friend a family member an enemy about the show we really don't care who you tell maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like it's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word 
It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Carl, we're going to start working on uh, writing a book, and I'm pretty pumped about it. We have we have a lot of a lot of like preparation to do, but one cool thing we're planning on doing a uh, kind of a, a writer's retreat. So, excuse for us to go out to the mountains, kind of get out of our normal atmosphere and stuff like that. So, number one, I wanted to double check. We're doing three nights, right? So, we said, yeah, that sounds nights. great. Okay, I'm going to book something like today, awesome. and then. You know, you could always cancel within 24 hours. So I'll send it to you, make sure the dates are good, all that kind of shit. Um, but one thing that I know for myself is, especially this type of work of writing, I know I'll probably only be able to write about four good hours a day, something like that, max. Um, and it's kind of funny because like, you know, back in corporate jobs, you, know, you do eight hours a day or 12, or I had a manager who was like, yeah, I'm working like 80 hour weeks. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Like either you're sitting around a lot, like you might be on calls for 80 hours, but you're definitely not thinking about work for 80 hours. That's another story for a different time. But my question to you is for writing that type of focus and what we're going to be doing, how much time do you think you'll work per day? Like, do you have a, a greater capacity or is like four hours of good writing about all you want to do? Yeah, I think four hours sounds like a pretty good number, but even worse than you, I need lots of breaks in between with creativity. Sometimes I'll, I can't just sit there and write. Sometimes I'll have to write, I'll have to think about something, and then I'll have to go for a walk and like plant the seed and then go for a walk and see where my brain takes takes it to or have a conversation with you. I actually, when we were recording yesterday, I had like two or three chapter ideas, so I, I don't think I can even just sit there and write for that amount of time. I might sit there and write for 20 minutes and then go for a walk or listen to a song while I go for a walk and then come back and write some more. So it'll probably, I'll probably be writing throughout the course of a day, but for a, over a very long period of time, like maybe get some shit done at 6 a.m. and then still be working on it at 10 with a lot of free time in between. Mm -hmm. Okay. Excuse me. Yep. That I'm pretty much the same way. Like I get I can do a little bit longer, like maybe a 90 minute chunk, um, but about 50, 50 minutes to an hour is kind of ideal. Get up, walk around, take a break, play guitar for a minute. Um, like you said, kind of early in the morning too, is like my, my brain's really fresh, a lot of good ideas, maybe a quick walk and then like a 20, 30 minute walk, then work for a little while and then another break, you know a longer hike for a couple hours. We can go separate. We can go together. There's plenty of places to hike, which is a, a cool thing. And then I'm usually 
I'll probably be done doing any of that kind of stuff by lunchtime, something like that. So front part of the day is really good. Maybe some editing and stuff like that later, but I figure, you know, we'll, we'll go outside and like whatever, hike or take a couple hours off in the afternoon to do something. Um, when you say 10, did you mean 10 in the morning or 10 at night? Uh, yeah, I bet starting pretty early, but then maybe I'll, I'll have some ideas late at night and be writing those down. Gotcha. Okay, cool. That'll, that'll be good. I think, um, yeah, there's only, there's only so many hours like you could, you could focus and then you need to let your brain rest and do some other stuff. So, yeah, I think it's good to at least, um, when I talk to you, uh, when I'm probing you, Doug. Uh, I'm actually, a lot of times I'm riffing ideas and I come up with a, a lot more shit or you help me open up stuff. So I see us writing a little bit of then me maybe talking about what I wrote and hearing what you have to think. And then that might send me in another direction or have me add a bunch of shit to what I've already done. And mm-hmm. We'll have a beer like in the middle of the day because c- we can. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. How about weed? Are we going to do a lot of weed? up <laughs> That just puts me to sleep. I've tried yeah. edibles. Like, Well, I guess when you let me try... I think that one was a little bit better, but I only tried it the one time. But usually when I do edibles, it just, I'm knocked out. Yeah. I haven't um, been partaking. Uh, I actually, I need to get in touch with JD, our, our friend JD Roth. He and I did a couple episodes together and he was like, I'm, I'm uh, abstaining for a little bit and uh, it's been good. And I, I like, I stopped right around, like when he told me we had a couple conversations, couple off the record and I was like, Shit, I'm gonna stop, and I haven't had any since last year, I think. Okay, well, um, but yeah, and I, I was gonna say, I think I was partially a crutch to like maybe help me sleep a little bit better, and I sleep awesome now because of the chili pepper. Nice. I think that's the thing that made the biggest difference. So, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. We'll book the stuff. We'll we'll spend some time out in the mountains, and then maybe maybe a secondary trip too. We'll see. We'll see what we can carve out in the fall too. Yeah, that's cool. We were actually supposed to go for a hike and the main reason I, uh, well, it's shitty weather anyway, but I canceled on you because I want to work on the book. I've got all these random notes written down and I want to start bringing it together into something more cohesive. So that's what I'll be working on after I leave here. Nice. 